0: Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Broke Down Podcast. My name is Jonathan, I am your host, and this is episode 114. As always, I'll remind you that the Broke Down Podcast is a proud founding community podcast with Osiris. My friends at Osiris Media are making great things about the things that you love. Undermine season four is well underway with a long way to go as they explore the 25th anniversary of Fish's fall 1997 tour. It's wild. Find it all and so much more at OsirisPod.com. The new Dave's pick has landed here uh, just last week. It's number 44. It's from Altson Stadium, Eugene, Oregon, June 23rd, 1990. I'm kind of a big fan of that summer over here, and you should be too. Not surprising. It's great. And uh, I haven't quite had a chance to listen to every bit of it. Working on this, working on other things. I've gotten through the first two discs and I'll tell you, I went back and listened to that playing Uncle John's playing thing again because it's rad. Jerry shreds that Uncle John's uh, really, really cool stuff. And speaking of Dave's picks, subscriptions for next year are available now, so don't sleep on it. All right, we got a little housekeeping to do before we get into things. Some of you may know that Twitter seems to be slowly sagging its way toward oblivion, or at least uselessness. I am still on there for now, but I don't know how long. Instagram isn't great, but it's easier to avoid certain kinds of noise, so you can continue to find me there at BrokedownPod. I've spun up a Mastodon account. Have you heard of that? But uh, rather than run two accounts over there, one personal and one for the show, as I do on Twitter, I'll probably just do the one. So I believe I'm at Ro Jimmy on Mastodon.social. I will put that on the blog for you if you're so inclined to seek me out. That link, which is uh, also where you find everything we discuss on this show, including the playlist for each episode, is blogspot.com what a damned mouthful. I should have changed it way back at the beginning when I talked about it, like every episode, how I should change the blog address, but never did. Oh, well, too late now, I think. My guest for this episode is Dave Human. That's heuma he is a songwriter and a guitar player and a pretty good guy. We talk about his latest release, a solo guitar album entitled Guitar Tapes Volume One, which is available on his Bandcamp, camp, arboretum.bandcamp.com. Arboretum is spelled A R B O U R E T E U M. That's Dave's longtime group, and they're well worth a listen as well. Stick around, I'll even spin some for you. And then after the chat, there's some grateful dead, but we'll get to that when the time comes. In the meantime, here is my chat with Dave Heumann. Thank you for sitting down to talk with me.
1: Uh, happy to be here, definitely. I, you know, I, I really enjoy this podcast, and uh, you know, I, I, I've listened to a few. I, I love your your conversational style and and uh, and and the the depth of, of your questions and um, and. The the dead shows that you play, or the sets, or whatever that you play afterwards, have always been real choice ones. Where I've heard them been like, Oh man, uh, you know, this is great. I haven't heard the show before, and uh, they're rocking so hard. It sounds so good,
0: right? On well, thank you. I mean, it's one advantage to having to stay away from the officially released stuff. Mm-hmm. Having to, I choose to, I don't know if they'll, yeah. they would ever come after me, but I do it, and uh, is that you know nowadays they've got so much out it's it's great first of all we're all very lucky to to have that cuz they do great work with that but also it makes me kind of dig into deeper corners like uh good luck getting me to put a 77 thing out here cuz they've released all the 77 shows. right <laughs> just about yeah, portland's coming yeah. portland's coming we just learned that so that's pretty cool
1: uh was that in the spring tour or the i'm not actually as familiar with
0: october it's an october 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 shows yeah yeah i
1: I heard i've heard some really good october 77 stuff and maybe september did they were they play were they touring in september too
0: you're gonna get me in trouble um i i i just want to say the tour started maybe late september but again okay. I, I don't remember okay. the dates and i'm not pulling up my dead base cuz i've got some stuff piled on top of it right now ah so we're just going to we're just going to go with that answer and, right on uh, if if i'm way off i'll cut it out <laughs> cool uh but we are we're getting ahead of ourselves talking grateful dead uh we will definitely circle back to that um You are a guitar player, musician, and have been playing and, you know, recording and gigging in, are you, you're Baltimore-based now. Have you always been Baltimore-based Arboretum? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much, uh, yeah. uh,
0: For some time, I guess, was the end of that sentence, as you've been at it for a while up there. and uh, And, yeah, I mentioned Arboretum. There's a number of other groups. I think the People's Long Band is a newer yeah. thing you've got going on. And- right.
1: It's a newer thing. And I and it may very well be, I mean, we'll see what, what kind of gigs we get, but um, it may very well be a thing where we don't really reappear again until the springtime. Um, and that being because our thing is kind of ideal for for like outdoor shows at spaces like breweries or whatever, or whatever, any any kind of like business that has like a big, kind of yard area where people can gather um it's good for that um not so much a club band because i mean we
0: you know we want to play for three hours and, and yeah uh, and, you know i want to have time let people come and go hang out yeah yeah
1: and it's not it's not quite geared towards like most of the other music i do is like you know 45 minute sets or whatever and it's like you know four bands a night and you know or artists or whatever um <clears throat> this is not that but but yeah it's, it's, it's a fun thing
0: <laughs> and you've also got um and i think this is probably one of the the primary impetus for us you know when one of the things you reached out to me about is you have a newer release called guitar tapes volume one which is a solo piece mm-hmm. um and it is actually I, you know I, I i set this up and then i realized i was like oh i'm kind of running a little theme here on episodes but this is uh you know solo guitar instrumental work and right. uh, we've done a Talked to a couple people who are working in that vein, but interestingly, everybody's got a nice, different take on it. And uh, this is a really nice, really nice CD. Or I guess it's coming out on LP now. I said CD. Yeah. I don't. I don't.
1: Well, it's it's CDs, it's but, it's yeah. out on CD now, and and yeah, it'll be on LP. Um, it'll be shipping. I think April twenty third or, or so. Yeah. You know, it's just there's always that backlog these days. With LP. Taylor Swift's production. fault.
0: Um, we're blaming her this week. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> yeah why not <laughs>
0: um well it's a beautiful release and i oh, uh, i kind of have to put my name down for one of these lps i've been listening to it uh listen to it earl- some earlier today but also was listening to arboretum so we can't wait to talk about that a little as well yeah sure um but let's talk about this uh a little and then we're gonna dive further back into who you are and what you do uh have you done solo, strictly solo releases before? I've seen you've got a lot of stuff out, so I uh, yeah. apologize if I've missed. it.
1: <clears throat> yeah, um, since uh, like the first, well, when you say strictly solo, we're
0: never strict around here,
1: or, or where I'm the only one playing on it. Um, I have actually done a couple of those, but um, <clears throat> but my first uh, solo album, like thing to come out under my own name, was uh, in 2015 um i uh released uh, an album on thrill jockey called here in the deep and oh, yeah. uh that was um I, I mean it was it was solo in the sense that my my name is in the title and, and it was very like self-directed and it, it doesn't have a band identity to it although actually one song was played by arboretum um but uh yeah so there was that and then other things i guess uh yeah 2018 i did a tape called cloud hands it was a tape and digital release and that is uh that's all guitar improvisations too um my methods for that were a little bit different um than with guitar tapes volume one um there was another one called well there there's there's been a few because like I got really into releasing stuff on Bandcamp. Um, you know, once once COVID hit, I was like, "Oh man, I got to do something." You know, like, like all the gigs were shut down and and stuff. So I, you know, recorded um, some things. Um, and so I had one called Paragon Themes, which actually I, I started in twenty eighteen. Did another one called uh balm of gilead which uh and there was a there's another one that's that's like guitar and synthesizer that is a uh sort of uh i, I use binaural audio processing so it sounds like 3d so stuff is like oh yeah uh you know in front of you and behind you and above you and below you and stuff, and uh and that that was a really fun one um yeah, and then and now this one, um, the uh, guitar Types volume one.
0: So this one is this one working? Are you working with loops and such on this one? Is that where where it is. this one's landing? Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like a uh, sort of a sonic diary of sorts. It's, it's just kind of like where I was at with my setup and and my um, my methods um, as of like december 2021 going into january 2022 um so over a period of about a month i recorded like most nights and uh and then i i went back through and listened for the spots that kind of that seemed you know like they were gonna like they communicated something and they were non-bullshitty and just sort of (laughs) You know, put those together, edit them, edit them a little bit, um, and and you know, put them into a sequence.
0: I like that uh, description, non-bullshitty. Just um, <laughs> put that on a t-shirt.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, it's like ninety percent of guitar playing to me is just staying away from bullshit. I mean, there you go. So, I, yeah. uh, well, you know, because you you want you want it to be like. I, I had this this other kind of motto that I was thinking of the other day uh, of the, like play the truth um, like it should feel like a, like a true thing it, it, it like you shouldn't do anything like things like putting in a lick or something for some kind of like intellectual reason or like oh this would be impressive if I do this or, or any of that kind of ego stuff I mean that that kind of falls in the category of, of bullshit so like I, I think like, any, any good music is going to completely avoid bullshit because I think it's, it's really transparent. You can, I think you can tell if someone's playing bullshit and, uh, if you're really listening and, and, you know, like, like, ah, that's kind of bullshit. So I try to stay away from it the best I can.
0: It's a good policy, I think. Eh. Um, yeah, it's like the, uh, the, tendency to want to fill every hole in the, uh, in the mix or something, you know, just because you can, doesn't mean right. really you should. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Let's go back a little bit. When, when did you start playing guitar and was that your first instrument? I guess I should ask.
1: Um, yeah, I, it was, I was 14 when I got my first guitar and it was my second instrument. I had started playing piano
0: when i was 12 okay so did um did the piano like i I see a keyboard beside you uh Uh did you stick with piano lessons or did you say no i want to play guitar now and just jump ship and then just kind of retain some yeah
1: i i I pretty much jump ship Um, although in high school uh for some of the time i went to an arts high school and part of that if you were into music was there was a a keyboarding class um so this is a little ways after i think I was, I was like 16 17 at this point um and it was good to have sort of refreshers on scales and stuff
0: um keyboard's a good platform for theory and the mechanics of music right yeah exactly yeah exactly did you jump right into playing with bands were you like trying to play rock and roll or some yeah sort at the yeah time. i did
1: yeah i think i i probably joined my first band when i'd been playing about six months
0: um perfect time
1: and yeah yeah and i mean i i got like pretty far pretty quickly because um i just practiced a lot i mean i didn't have anything going on i i wasn't driving you know like i didn't have a job uh you know i i didn't didn't do much homework so i just <laughs> <laughs> i practiced a lot and and uh you know yeah so i, I was i was in a band starting you know, when i'd only been playing six months and and uh just and that was basically you know it was, it was covers um high school band um what kind of stuff and uh, we did like we did some stuff that was kind of current at the time, that was still kind of classic Rocky sounding. I mean, so you know, for context, this is this is like the late '80s. So okay, um, we did some stuff. I think I joined that band in probably '86 or something, and and we we did some stuff like rem and uh we did a song by the church and we, we did like um you know but stuff that that were the textures weren't too far off from like 60s and 70s music and and then otherwise we were playing like hendrix zeppelin the dead um you know your 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 classic rock chestnuts more or less um, yeah
0: well that was like prime time for the classic rock radio format but that newer stuff i mean there was still you know rock was still kicking in yeah. the 80s so yeah i was listening to that stuff
1: and some of the people that were making it making rock music in the 80s were the same people that were making it in the 60s and 70s you know you had like yeah. steve winwood and 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 uh and like yes and and uh all these other bands that were kind of like I mean, the 80s was kind of a weird time and it sort of necessitated a, a change in aesthetics, sort of, if you were going to be, be thought of as, as current or viable in any way. And some people, I think, were more successful at, at that transition than others. Um, but but definitely a lot of people did make that that transition. Yeah. Um,
0: and, you know, it doesn't necessarily hold up, but it held up in the moment. And, uh, you know, definitely yeah. got them on the radio and, uh, kept those legacy acts still on the road and whatnot. And, uh, some of them yeah, are still for sure. on today, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Rod think that, Stewart's uh, still out there. Right. I, I mean, there's people, versions of yes still out there. Um, oh. Wow. The, uh, the funny thing is, you know, you look at the 80s and everybody was thinking, well, this rock thing is going to, you know, they'd been declaring the death of rock and roll since the 60s. And, you know, they were still just like waiting. Um, right. And every now and then somebody like Huey Lewis would tell us it was, the heart was still beating or something. Pardon the words. Right. Um, but, you know, it just kept going and there was no real precedent for... You know, rock bands to be playing for 25 years because rock and roll hadn't existed any longer than that, almost, you know? So, right. Hell, even Chuck Berry was still on the road in the 80s. So, yeah. And so you, you stuck with it, new, new bands as you aged up and leveled up in, as a player, or?
1: Yeah. I mean, so since then, um, yeah. I continued to play. I mean, the, the sort of, even in the high school band, we, we still did have some original songs. And, um, and then I, I was still leading bands in my college years and through my twenties and stuff. And, and at, at that point I was writing most of the material. Um, and, uh, So i just kept on doing that but i mean it kind of didn't really get anywhere like in terms of being able to call it a career by any stretch um and until i was pretty close to 30 years old like 29 I, i think um when i i first did like a real tour and that was with um the Bonnie Prince Billy band, this was touring the record ease down the road. And I was I played bass for a month-long European tour. So I was just kind of like went from never really touring to like doing a month in Europe. It was a bit uh I mean it was a crazy transition.
0: It's exciting. Um,
1: but then I wanted more of that, you know. So it's yeah. like when I when i a- after that period, you know, when I and I'm I'm like back funding my bands and and uh, I'm, like okay how can we um and that was around the time i started arboretum too and it was like all right how can we get arboretum to have those kinds of experiences you know um where we're actually really having a go at it and, and it feels like you know we're uh communicating something and, and more people are listening to it because before that i never really got out of baltimore
0: so arboretum it started in the early aughts is yep. that right um yeah
1: yeah our, our very first gig was i think it was like december 17th 2002 and then we had the first record come out and uh in 2004 i think fall of 2004 uh, actually just a cd it wasn't tight it wasn't technically a record has never been out in vinyl but um and that was that was kind of a that was done through a friend of mine's imprint sort of label and then and then the rest of the arboretum stuff um came out on thrill jockey from
0: and good label 2006 yeah yeah like i have i have some of that actually this is funny you know we started talking and then suddenly i started stumbling on your records in record shops. So I don't know if I'd mention this one to you. Oh, yeah. I, so I came up with this Song of the Pearl Arboretum in Chicago a few weeks back. Was, right on. Yeah. I looked at a lot of records that weekend, and I came home with this one and a cool. few other really good ones.
1: Thanks for picking that up.
0: Yeah, man. I was kind of psyched. And then um, I know I told you I found this uh, this EP, The Split, with Pontiac. Oh, yeah. Kale which uh you know they're not bad too but uh I really yeah I dig this. I
1: dig yeah, this. I, I I love their uh their music. They they made a, a lot of really good stuff and the, and they um they're if, I don't know if you know much of, about Pontiac. Um they are from Virginia. Um okay. kind of near near Warrenton and, and okay. uh they're they're three brothers. And uh they basically they haven't made music in a while but they I think maybe like 3 years ago they opened up this brewery. Um huh. uh, so they've been brewing beer. And awesome. uh I haven't been down there yet. I mean I would I am sure it's they seem to be doing really well with it. But um uh, but I would I love to hear to them make music way. again too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um that's wild. Uh that's not Close, but also not terribly far from me, and places that I end up from time to time here in Virginia. So, right on. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I um I really dug that. And then just uh and then you guys you kept you put out a bunch of stuff under the Arboretum name. You guys, mm-hmm. uh, I just listened to the 2020 release uh, "Let It All In." I was listening to that while we were making dinner tonight, and uh, that's oh cool. Uh, that's really that's really great. In fact, I oh, gotta, thanks, man. I'm drop that in the want list because I think I need that record. Um, and uh, so, talk to what is Arboretum? Tell can you what can you tell me about this project? Like, uh, as far as because it's it's different than like the guitar tape stuff that we're gonna play for somebody right. for everybody later. So, uh, tell us a little bit about this band, who's in it, and uh, the sound. If you if it's not ridiculous to yeah. try to describe <laughs>
1: well yeah i mean i mean the the first like most clear dif- difference between that and and like guitar takes volume one is that that it's songs that that have singing um yeah in them and uh and it's always been a band the band has changed over the year so um like song of the pearl was was kind of a mid period, um, lineup. And we had a, uh, earlier lineup, like, the, there's the record, uh, rights of uncovering, which is our first, um, like real band record. And that was the first one that Thrill Jacky put out. It's actually like, it's actually three slightly different lineups on that <laughs> record because it was played in, in three, um, sessions and at the time it wasn't really so much like oh yeah i just want to switch it up but i mean there was sort of like an element of of that like like wow it would be kind of exciting to play with a lot of new people um but it was also like just finding like who worked and uh, like whose schedules would align with mine and people i was playing with to allow them to 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 do the the music and 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 the sort of musical temperament of the various people involved um so that's solidified by the time of uh the gathering um where it was like this four piece that stayed that same four piece for the next 12 years or so um which was brian Carey on drums Corey Allender on bass. And uh, and he's also on on Song of the Pearl. Um, And uh, Matthew Pierce on keys. And of course, me on guitar and vocals. So that was like Song of the Pearl is a two guitar lineup. We had um, Stephen Strohmeyer uh, playing the other guitar. Um, At the time... I really didn't want to be a two guitar band anymore. Um or or at least I hadn't found the uh the right kind of chemistry to sort of do what I was imagining, um, which at the time was kind of like a uh like a young and witten kind of vibe. Um okay. Rather than two guitarists who are both playing leads and like intertwining, like like that sort of like more like television aesthetic, like that's kind of where song of the Pearl was was going a bit. And I mean, I listen back now and it's lovely. And, and you know, yeah, Steve's an incredible cool. guitarist. But I, at the, I, I, at the time, I nice listened
0: to that like right when I finished work today. I put that on and like went to the sofa and just whew, decompressed before yeah. I moved to the <laughs> porch um, with a beer. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I can hear what you're describing and um and that's tough it's tough to find somebody that you have the right combination the right chemistry and the right like technical combination to build right you know, if you have a if you have a specific kind of vision in mind mm-hmm. that's a trick
1: so what ended up happening is with with uh with matthew uh, being the the keyboard player at at the time, the only keyboard that he really I think he had a MIDI controller and maybe another synth, but he, he wasn't really using them that much. But he was mostly all about the uh, the Fender Rhodes, and he would play with like a little bit of just dist- and and his his playing is really kind of like I mean he'll 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 do some melodies, um, here and there, really about like juxtaposing chord tones and stuff. So he plays the roads a lot like a rhythm guitar player, um, would, uh, would, would play, you know, so, so I I thought that was great. Um, because it added just enough like of, of stuff there to where it didn't sound empty. If I went for a solo or, or whatever. Um, Nice.
0: Yeah. That's, um, it's a good balance to find too. Um, as, as somebody who makes guitar that or makes music that's like starts with just guitar and trying to find something that complements, because that's all that's what you're yeah. you know, what you're after all the time, right? Is you want yeah. somebody who complements and uh, you know elevates what you're playing. You don't you don't need somebody to fill the space, which is what we were talking about earlier, right? You need somebody who's really like. Bringing something that kind of works with what you're doing and supports your goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, at, <clears throat> absolutely. That's that's kind of like, um, uh, yeah, d- definitely the the intent um, in, in forming the band. Um, it was, actually is the the first gig that we ever did with that line was um and we we were lucky enough to record this um we we played a show at this was this warehouse um in baltimore and it's a, they, they had a big party and i don't remember if another if there was other music going on there or if the draw of the party was just that it was at the space and you know something about the uh what the, the the drinks they had that night or something i don't know <laughs> um it was it was a while ago it was like 2009 i think but uh we did uh a long form version of of sister ray that was just it had no vocals but our, our friend ally um Allie is short for Allison, uh, had uh, cards made up with, with the lyrics and she kind of held them up over her head. The party ended up being like pretty packed. So, uh, you know, she's, she's holding up over her head, over the people with the lyrics and just sort of dropping them like in that subterranean homesick blues video from, you know, by Dylan from like 66 or whatever. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, and we played this jam and it's just, I mean, it was, it was those chords and, and stuff of, uh you know, E, D, A, I think the are, are the, are the chords. And, uh, you know, we kept them for the sort of the verse part of the song and then just took it out and uh, did that for like, I think it was about 50, 50, 50 you know, and, and 55. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and we actually recorded it and released, a tour CD of it. That was just that it was called, it was called couldn't hit it sideways. (laughs) So that was fun. But that that was a, that was a first um, thing with that version of the band. And it was like, it was so exciting to have done that. And it just, just sort of like, and and I don't really know if we ever really, you know, I think actually, song let it all in is probably the closest we've ever come to recapturing that um in a way wow yeah i mean we've done a lot of other things but in in terms of like having it it, you know that kind of a a similar vibe um you know that's probably the and that's you know 12 years later or whatever can i Uh,
0: um suggest that you've Get that tour CD up on your band camp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good suggestion. Um, I will Just need put it out to, there. Yeah, that is a very good suggestion,
0: and I should totally do that. Well, uh, but you do, I will say, you have a, a, a fair amount of other live pieces sitting out here on your band camp, and I want to shout one out that I, I find interesting and I haven't had a chance to spin. Um, but it is, uh, Uh, looks like a duo with nathan Bowles, who uh, oh yeah whom i'm a big fan uh you dropped this um early 2020 and Mm -hmm. uh it was a live show from 2018 joe westerland hosted yeah previous guest of broke down pod and a great great drummer oh cool cool can can you tell me about this this is a little random perhaps but uh, oh man i'm a fan
1: well it was a really good experience so basically uh it was I mean it was yeah it was recorded at at a uh, at a yoga studio that was Joe's wife's or partners uh yes space or, or that's where she um, had yoga classes and she would let him host shows uh, periodically um Nathan kind of got a hold of me i I don't even remember i think it's because i ran into him at that uh thousand incarnations of the rose festival right they had in tacoma park
0: the thing i should have gone to that one time
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It, it was so cool um yeah i i think maybe we we had talked there and then some months later he was like you know would you would you be interested in doing a duo show and uh you know you could come down and and practice and then and you know, i know the spot here in durham and uh we could do some of your songs and some of my songs and I'm like you know sure yeah that'd be great so i um came down there we spent a couple days working up the material and uh and then just did the show and that's that's what you hear uh, uh on the, it, it's it's like me playing on a handful of his songs and him playing on a handful of my songs um, and uh, uh it was really really nice uh nice night i remember that i was i was playing through okay I, I, I had a battery powered amp that i had brought down there uh, oh wow to, to run the acoustic guitar through so i'd have a little bit more uh, of a level and uh I remember like running out of battery and having no AC adapter, and Joe had to go out and get batteries uh, like <laughs> ten minutes before the, the gig. Um, it was a bit just... nerve wracking, but no, uh, the show went really well, and, and and I got a good recording on it uh, uh, of it just on the uh, on my Zoom H5 recorder, and and uh, you know ran it through Logic and kind of cleaned up the you know and boosted the the right things and compressed things and add a little room reverb and that, that kind of stuff and and uh, yeah put it out on band camp because uh again it was like early 2020 you couldn't do shows um anywhere i was already playing solo a lot there but i actually arboretum probably you know we would have toured had had covid
0: not happened because right, you had, had a record that you know, came out in 2020 uh the let it all in came out yeah uh, and it came, uh, right it, it, like a couple months it came out right when COVID happened like march 20th is what i'm seeing on the air right so yeesh.
1: yeah and we we had a show lined up for that week that uh, uh i think it was we were gonna play like the 16th or something and that was the and i think i want to say the uh, march 11th was like the last day that anyone in baltimore had a, any that, shows that for show. For, for several months. Um so so yeah, you know, I had to uh, bail on the on the tour and and uh bail on the uh the, that that sh- that show and and then never ended up really playing any shows supporting that because it, it was around that time where um just uh, lifestyle or life circumstances changed um for a couple of the band members to where playing in a band wasn't as practical like anyway you know in addition to the whole the whole covid thing so um it's it's possible we could come back to it next year and and do some more arboretum stuff but um but you know we're definitely very much in an inactive period right now (laughs)
0: Well, uh that does happen. Uh it's a good record though. I'll make sure to yeah, That would you mind if I play some of it for uh, folks? Go for. It. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to I'm actually going <laughs> to drop in a track right here. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I don't know what it is, but I can assure you that it was good, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it. So, um. <laughs> yeah, man. So great music for a long time, and still at it. You mentioned the long band, or I mentioned them, the people's long band, as being sort of a uh, a thing you're maybe sitting on till spring. But you guys did something in the in the summer, right? You you played. some gigs gig gigs yeah
1: there was there's kind of two um the first one it wasn't called anything yet it was just a band that i had put together uh like the the folk rock band that i had put together for a a party like my my birthday jam party cool um which was which was long on the jams and short on the birthday (laughs) aspect um and uh that um With that particular group of people i mean a couple of them There are two of the guys that were at least in in that version of the band were um were in arboretum uh, in one of the early lineups and uh the the keyboard player was in a band that i was in in high school and then there's there's singer-songwriter miles gannett um So that, but I I was like, this is, this is really, this felt really fun. And I liked that it was covers and it was, it kind of took a little bit of the responsibility off of me um, for being a writer, uh, a songwriter and and, and stuff. Um, And really just kind of made the band more about the playing. And also another cool thing is I didn't have to sing every song um you know through our with arboretum i've always been the only lead singer <coughs> so it was it was nice that that you know there's a couple other people in the band that could sing as well i didn't have to sing every song Spray or around a little or be the only soloist because you know uh, miles is uh, a very capable lead guitarist um and uh and chuck the keyboard player um is a, a capable soloist also, so you know, it became this thing of like, well, this this is really fun because it's this this can just be all about the playing and, and that that can be the real focus. And it's, you know, frees us up to um to make it about that and not about this like, well, I'm trying to present my artistic vision or or whatever, um, and i love the format too which is a bit more of a jam band format um i mean arboretum kind of for a rock band playing currently we have tended to play longer sets than a lot of our our peers because we are somewhat jammy um and also it's just it's just fun to play more if you really like to play and i really like to play and and i would rather play a a longer set than a shorter one doing stuff like that now like solo guitar not so much but but um that's
0: that's a whole other thing
1: yeah yeah Uh, um but yeah and and and, but but you know it's it's it becomes about like if if you do a three-hour set it's like okay you don't have to nail every change in every song just just you know do stuff that sounds good like a majority of the time and try to be expressive and and get your point across and you know hopefully people will like it and you'll you'll connect with with the audience Um, yeah it's it's a different
0: give everybody some energy some dynamics and uh something and if you're doing covers you know then you're probably giving them some familiar material everybody likes that grounding and then uh stretch it out have fun
1: Right. And it was stuff that, you know, it's um, like we, we played this, this brewery set in um, in September and, and the song, and you know, not all the covers are, are stuff that you're <clears throat> not, not really playing the hits for the most part. I mean, we did stuff like uh, Tears of Rage, Still in Tune. We did um, It Suits Me Well, a Sandy Denny song. Um, we did beware of darkness um george harrison we also did cold rain and snow and peggy from the dead you know so i was like it's kind of like the idea of a dead show like the dead show kind of format but not playing not not being a dead cover band not not right
0: that's not, that's, not playing that's their stuff for a majority
1: right right i mean <laughs> it's, it's fine i would play in a in a dead cover band if, if i found the right group of people to, to do it with why not i mean but uh but this is this is fun to to kind of have that idea where it's like oh yeah we'll we'll play long form music that can get really psychedelic but you know we're also taking songs that you didn't think were going to be jammed out like you know you you didn't like no one necessarily expects that that uh george harrison beware of darkness is is, uh you know going to be played for nine minutes you know, right. this, is, <clears throat> this is like a three and a half
0: minute song on the record or whatever so we put
1: this middle part in and stretched out a lot, a lot, you know, stuff like that
0: so let's talk a little bit more about um about music that you that you've listened to that you like that maybe influences you as a writer as a player um I will tell you one point when we were working on dinner we were listening to the arboretum record um, I said to my wife, I said, this reminds me a little bit of like a Richard Thompson record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as a big fan of Richard Thompson, I hope you'll know that I, that as I am a big fan, you'll know that that is, that is praise.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs>
0: um,
1: I mean, no one and, ever uh, said that, you know, about him like oh that lousy Richard Thompson, yeah, he sucks that you know, that, that,
0: like that hack from that band. No, no, <laughs> God, damn, no, he's, he's, I feel bad just making the joke. He's so great. <laughs> and he was very nice to me one, one time when oh, I, Oh, so. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So, what? Um, obviously, you know, and when, when you're 14 and you're starting to play guitar, you're playing the stuff you heard on the radio and s- things like that. But as you get a little older, what kind of stuff was influencing you as you were, began to write songs?
1: Hmm, that is a good question. Um, as I well, okay. I mean, I guess. I was kind of starting to write songs, you know, really early on too. But I mean, it took me a lot of songs to where I got to the point where I really felt confident about my songs. Um, I think the lyrics were always the biggest stumbling block, um, and I don't know. I I remember in the in the '90s, I was I was really into like the the Pixies and Frank Black solo stuff, and just from like a pure um, songwriting angle, I, I, I was really into that. I, I got really into Will Oldham's stuff once I discovered that, um, which was probably about the you know mid to late '90s, and you know which was a whole different animal um and in terms of the k- kind of the headspace that he was writing from um and and also I was like yeah I was I was into uh like sonically I I was really early on I, th- I think I was influenced by my bloody valentine and sonic youth a lot um but I think also, you know, they say that a lot of your sensibility is, is formed by the time you're like twelve. So I think that coming out of the 80s, I think I think that stuff that had really um, influenced me a lot early on stuff like Joe Jackson or you know, men at work or 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 whatever, you know, just kind of just formed the underpinnings of my melodic sense that i would
0: i can was get able to that.
1: put that into kind of different context later on in life but also also like neil young and, and bob dylan i mean i i was into bob dylan since you know i was an early teenager um but you know some of those things I, I think i was like maybe a little less aware of when i was um or a li- little less conscious of i guess when i was writing songs for bands later on, like in my, in my 20s, and even even into, uh, I think I probably was, by the time I was doing Arboretum, I was like a little bit more conscious of it. But uh, yeah, that's sort of a long-winded answer, I guess. And maybe that sort of gets yeah. at the meat of what you're.
0: I think it does. Um, I, I, I really like that point about the like that early foundation you know, when you cited, say, Men at Work, and I, I think there's no question in my own mind for myself that the some of the pop music uh, and the songs and the writing of some of those songs has, um, well, it, it it's like foundational to writing songs. Like, I don't write songs like Men at Work, but, right. you know, that guy could write. Oh, hell like yeah. He he could write this shit out of a pop song and he could write the hell out of a couplet that will slay you. And, you know, I wouldn't mind get, grabbing a few of those out of thin air and <laughs> packing them into a song someday. If um, if,
1: if he was coming to Baltimore, or DC, and I knew about it, I would totally go and see him. I, I've actually seen live videos of fairly recent Colin Hay performances. And yeah. I mean, the guy, this guy's like one of the best singers of that era that was on the radio great singer
0: and a really good writer um Mm -hmm. and you know it's easy to dismiss because you know it was the mtv pop moment but great writing and and so much of you know i mean i'm i'm uh, i think just a hair younger than you but you know so 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 much of my writing comes from Okay, my writing maybe, didn't, but just my fundamentals of songs Mm -hmm. come from that stuff as much as it comes from, you know, starting at Bob Dylan in my early teens and then Grateful Dead and then everything else that followed um, over the years. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. no. I I, I I don't write a lot of hooks, but I, (laughs) I have a sense for them and I can recognize them. Yeah, someday maybe I'll write a couple more.
1: Yeah, like whenever I would write a hooky song for Arboretum, I'd be like, kind of self conscious about it, bringing it into band practice, and I was like, and I'd be like, oh, I was thinking about this part here, and I'd always ask Corey, basis, I'd be like, what do you think, man? Because like I, I I trust his taste um, a lot. Like he's always had, he's always been. Someone who searches out music and and has a a pretty vast knowledge of uh, different artists releasing stuff and 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 what have you so and and just just very good i I, I trust his sensibility a lot uh, and so I'd be like, "What do you think, man is this like cheesy you know and and he'd be like no it's it's cool, it's catchy, but something about the hookiness. Like I, I'd be afraid to go for the hook, and I'm really glad that he, you know he would sort of in, in some of these instances like convince me that it's it's okay to go for the hook because in, in retrospect, like no, it, it wasn't it wasn't cheesy, you know. There was, there was, right like it could have been done in a cheesy way maybe, but it, it wasn't, and, and we found a way to do it where, where you know it's hooky, but that's that's fine, and and. And I, when I think about it, like, I mean, a lot of Grateful Dead songs are hooky. You know, Bertha's hooky. Know, like, and oh, there's yeah. nothing corny about it. Like,
0: you, know? you know, I I, I think it, it, a lot of songs that have good hooks that, that we might look at and go, hmm, that's a little, that might be corny. It's because it it's actually just played out. Like, this was really good the first time you heard it. Maybe the 10,000th time you've you've heard it. It's not as, uh, maybe, it, maybe it feels cheesy now, but there's a reason they played it 10,000 times. Right. I think that's, you know, like I have friends who, you know, refused to listen to some very good records from the 70s because it was on the radio so much at the time, mm. older than I am, uh, you know, that they, they just can't, they don't need to hear it again. They don't want to hear it again. They're sick of it and yeah yeah okay uh i'll go home i'll just come home and listen to that record <laughs> cuz i've got it you know um but you know the, yeah hooks hooks i think there are definitely uh musical circles in which hooks seem like they're a bad idea but they're all using them i mean the my bloody valentine uh, loveless album opens with a hook it is a hook like no other right but, you know that sound is i mean that 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 either grabs you or sends you packing
1: yeah yeah people people talk about like um remembering where they were when they heard um nirvana uh you know like nevermind album for the first time yeah. and uh i don't remember where i was when i heard that for the first time but i do remember what i was doing when i heard my bloody valentine loveless for the first time i mean nothing special yeah. i was just in a friend's car
0: yeah. but but you remember the moment yeah 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 I, i've heard someone make the case that that could have been the album but never mind came out <laughs>
1: you know yeah. that could have
0: been the one that like shifted music but Nevermind had more it came out first of all it was just there at that time and it had all the appeal that it has and it doesn't suck um at all so
1: yeah i mean it's also sort of different um i mean obviously stylistically like different but but like i i don't know even if i mean a lot of what got nirvana the press early on was what the songs were about you know the lyrical content as you know Contrasted with
0: My Bloody, My bloody Valentine, Valentine where <laughs> press.
1: well, yeah, I mean, I, I think so, in some cases, aren't the lyrics, weren't they kind of like secret or something? Is there something about that? Like, they're like,
0: they I actually were quote, real lyrics,
1: but like, I could have like a very lyrics
0: to their songs. I don't know.
1: I, I, I think I read something about that, like some article where it was like some closely guarded secret what the actual lyrics were on that they record. Were
0: they were a weird band, and, and the time when they made that record, they were um, not exactly ready to roll out to MTV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, which probably didn't help either. But, I mean, that that album, I actually, I'll, uh, to be up front, and I don't know if I've ever said that on here before, when that came out, I heard it, and I didn't like it. But at mm. the same time, around that time, I heard uh, you know, Sonic Youth, and I wasn't into it um oh wow i not where my head was at
1: um yeah that happens sometimes that stuff is what you come back to really strongly later you know years later
0: um i have uh yeah come back around on them pretty hard all of those guys but uh yeah it happens yeah um so we've talked about we've touched on grateful dead but we should talk more about grateful dead (laughs) Uh, sure when did you uh, when did you run into the Grateful Dead first? Um,
1: I was I was about fifteen, uh, and I was um, I sat next to a girl that uh, in, in in some class, and um, I was like, and I I was awkward and she, like. She was pretty. Um, I was kind of intimidated by her, but she was really into the, the Grateful Dead, and she was like, "You you should listen to this record." And it was American Beauty, and I was like, "This is really, this is really cool." Like, I like this song, and it kind of reminded me of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but there was something on, like a little bit more ragged about it, you know, and there, and was something just like, you know, it was, it was intriguing to me. It felt like you could there was there was like a lot of depth that you could really. Depths that you could plumb, um, if you'd wanted to, and then a, a little bit around that same time, I think I started to get exposed to, um, or, or a little bit after, to um, so some of their live performances, and and uh, you know, I'd gotten a. I remember being really psyched when I was like seventeen. I got like Cornell tape. That was like the third gen. Um, from from the soundboard um i I still have it somewhere in a box i think (laughs) um but yeah it is basically basically it started with american beauty and then it it i got deeper into it from there and um first saw them play live in the summer of 89 Uh, and i think i was uh that would have been 17 um, rfk stadium um right. saw at least one if not both of the shows that they did there it's one of these things where i mean so long ago and i really wish i, I had taken notes or you know kept <laughs> my t- stubs or something because there are certain shows where i honestly couldn't tell you if i was there or not like like on the one hand i feel like i was um at hampton that fall when they did Dark Star. But on the other hand, like it, I, I might have only been there the night after, and, and, or the, was night was it the night before, the night before, yeah. and not and not seen the dark star. I might have gone home, um, and I really don't know. I, there are some things where I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. Like I've seen some of uh, uh like you know that like guy Christopher Hazard who who's been putting yeah, up yeah. these restored videos. Um, watched one of the rfk shows and it was just amazing where i'm watching i hadn't listened to the tape of that um you know since but i could tell i could anticipate where certain notes are going to go and and some of jerry's solos or something like like you know just a moment ahead of time but i I, i'm like oh yeah he's gonna go up there and then he did and i was like oh yeah i remembered that you know it's like Mm -hmm. over 30 years ago and somehow um it just it's just had a, had a freshness to it where all, all of a sudden I'd, I'd remember it, so um, yeah, it's just funny how that, how that works out, but but yeah, so so I, I mostly just saw them around here. One time I did go on, um, in '92, I, I went on a, a bit of an east coast tour with a friend of mine. I think we caught like five or six shows, um, nice. you know, like Buckeye Lake and um, Deer Creek, um, I think we caught uh Three River Stadium, uh.
0: Stuff like that, but very cool. Did you do RFK? But, but mostly, too, I
1: didn't do the I tour, think. I just just did like DC and Virginia and, uh, and yeah. stuff like
0: that. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of that, was you know, just I hit the region, but then after pretty quickly, I started going, Well, you know, let's go up there for the show and let's go over mm. there and let's go, you know, just kind of like, and I still do this for like fish or. You know all kinds of bands. You know, I went to um, Philly to see Stereo Lab. Like, why do they played DC the next night? Uh Let's go to Philly. I also went to DC. You know, Uh, it's like let's just uh, jump around uh, because you know now it's become just kind of the thing I like to do.
1: Yeah. Did did they play the same set?
0: Uh, Um, largely the yeah was there was one song I think different, but but you know I. They were playing a set of, um, so I guess they toured like last year for the first time, or 2019 for the first time in a while. And the the previous tour they had, were doing, you know, a lot of the bigger songs. The Stereolab have big songs, um, but it, this tour was a little more focused into kind of deeper cuts and B sides and things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but which I'm less familiar with. I'm not a I'm not a massive stereo lab fan. i just like everything i've ever heard um so I, my friends wanted to go i was like yeah let's do it cool and, um, cool yeah it's great great groovy set um and we just stood on the other side of the <laughs> so we had the opposite view of the band you know on the next night and uh mm. you know, just had a great time
1: that's that's great
0: yeah and these are guys i used to go see dead shows with 20 some yeah, years yeah. Ago. so um yeah um never did a whole tours it seemed like uh well other people did it and good for them it just was never really quite what i was up for um,
1: yeah i mean i think in order to do a, a a whole tour i mean you definitely need to have like a vending thing figured out right if, if you were gonna do one and even though the short tour i me and and a friend of mine did do some vending i mean it wasn't like super successful but we did have a go at it and try to sell some stuff i mean i um
0: sold coca-colas out of the back of my car to pay for parking and gas uh that usually yeah there you go show ice cold coca-cola works really well people would buy it, you know for a buck you know
1: yeah yeah um sure yeah
0: and in the 90s that was legit gas money when you sell a case of cokes so oh sure Uh, nowadays not so much (laughs) right right some days i regret not spending more time on the road with the dead but i i think i did all right in my time um dave i'm gonna i'm gonna play everybody a track from guitar tapes volume one after this conversation here and uh and then get into some dead and i think you've motivated me to look into some you know maybe some rfk stuff because that's home oh, field. excellent yeah, yeah so <laughs> for sure maybe put some of that up out for the grateful dead segment at the end and um thank you for sitting down and talk to talking to me
1: yeah it was, um definitely a pleasure thanks for for having me here it was a, lot, a lot of fun uh, being able to um, relate um some things from my corner of the universe I can't wait to listen back to the actual show and hear what you've chosen as the, the dead show part of it. And, and and who knows, if it's RFK, maybe I will have been there. Maybe I'll remember if I had been
0: maybe. there. Maybe. Not. <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, I can't wait to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. That was Falconer's Blues from Dave Human's latest album, Guitar Tapes, Volume 1. During the interview, we heard a great, great Arboretum track, High Water Song, from their 2020 album, Let It All In. Again, it's really just terrific stuff. You can find both of those and a lot more at arboretum.bandcamp.com. Again, you can also find those links at my blog, Brokedownpodcast.blogspot.com Are you ready for some Grateful Dead? Taking a tip from Dave's touring days, I went back 30 years, holy hell, am I that old, to 1992. We're going to hear tracks from June 28th at Deer Creek and July 1st at Buckeye Lake. We'll start with Buckeye, but then bounce around a bit. Check the blog for the playlist, or just sit back and enjoy the ride. I will be back before long with a fresh episode. Until then, be well.
2: I'm riding up on the quasar Go! The peasants call her the goddess of gloom She speaks such good English As you invite yourself up into her room Of course you're so kind and careful Don't you? Just not to go to her too soon it Steals you first And leaves you howling at the moon I started out on Burgundy, but then I soon hit the hardest stuff. Everybody said they'd stand beside me when the game got
3: rough.
2: Well, the joke was on me. There wasn't even anybody there at all. So I'm going back to New York City. I do I have. 来吧<音楽>
3: and the best 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 and